The privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. I'm Adrienne McDonald and welcome to the Mindset Strategist Podcast. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back. Or if this is your first time, welcome. If you have been following along on my Mindset Mornings, I mentioned that I was not surprised, but a little disappointed that Merriam-Webster's word of the year was gaslighting. Now, there is no doubt that gaslighting exists. After all, we just had episodes where I talked about the drama triangle and narcissism on this podcast. However, where I'm most disappointed... I talked about this with the word narcissist too. Gaslighting is being used very casually. Uh, if I don't like what something you say, you're gaslighting me and therefore you are a narcissist, for instance. It's being used as a way to deflect personal responsibility, I feel like. And that's not the case in every case, but it does seem to be pretty prevalent. Being uncomfortable and being in uncertainty, that is part of the human experience. You should not be seeking to avoid them at all costs because they are required for growth and quite frankly, they're inevitable on some level. This near or almost near obsession with and making them, what is the word that I'm looking for, like bad or the enemy that's a very limiting, this really limiting a person's growth opportunity. And there is a difference between pain and violence and uncomfortableness. And they, that, that seems to be shrinking in some people's minds. Over the past couple of years, I probably have had more conversations with people grappling with who am I or what do I want more than any other time? And the pandemic really made people slow down and take some stock of some things because, well, <laughs> people had time on their hands. And that opened the door for a lot of uncomfortableness and uncertainty. However, with that, there's been also grappling, if you will, for identity because it challenged so many things of what you may have thought yourself to know and about yourself and about the world around you. Now, combine that with the isolation and the polarization and the division that continues to exist right now, and you have a recipe for disconnectedness from yourself, from the collective, from the universe. Now people are going back into the workplace, some even physically, maybe socializing more. Traveling has entered back into the picture, seeing families during, and we've got the holidays, but the questions are still lingering. In a lot of those areas, trust is fragile and sometimes uh, almost non-existent. The balance feels off. Things may, sometimes you may be feeling like you're walking on eggshells and sometimes you might even not even know why you feel like you're walking on eggshells. Anxiety comes from not being able to know 
the world you're in, not being able to orient yourself in your own existence. Now there is a gift in uh, there is a gift in every experience, and um, perhaps you've already figured that out or are at least curious about it. Remind yourself to focus on what you can control, and what you can control is yourself. You can control how you respond and how you move in the world, and that takes courage. I reposted a Brianna Weist, I think her last name is, quote, uh, this week sometime, and it's got a response that was higher than average because I think people were resonating with it. And it said, remember the minute that you take your first step into the life of your dreams. The first to greet you there will be fear. Nod, keep walking. And that's very true. What is also true is fear sometimes laps back around a couple of times and each time, nod and keep walking because uncomfortableness and uncertainty is part of life for growth. And that brings me to what I want to talk about today. Courage. And I've been thinking a lot about courage of late. In Brene Brown's work, she indicates vulnerability is our most accurate way to measure courage. And we literally do that as researchers. Vulnerability allows them to assess fearlessness. We can measure how brave you are by how vulnerable you're willing to be. And the root of the word courage is core, the Latin root for heart. In one of its earliest forms, the word courage had a very different definition than it does today. Courage originally meant to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. I thought that was a pretty good definition. I find Brene's work wonderful and very thought-provoking. I love all of her books that I've read, but there was still a component that wasn't there for me uh, because I don't think it's just about vulnerability. I think that's a big part of it, but there, it just there was something in the context that just didn't, that just wasn't complete. Now, hence, Kagard, K. Kaskard, I'm going to murder that guy's name. Nietzsche and Kamas all said that courage isn't the absence. Of despair, rather, it's the capacity to move ahead in spite of despair. I thought that was interesting because it it takes things to a different level. And one of the biggest gap fillers in my ruminating over the word courage and the meaning that it has for me was filled with Rollo May's work in the book The Courage to Create. Great book, highly recommend. Mays reflected, if you do not express your own original ideas, if you do not listen to your own being, you will have betrayed yourself. Also, you will have betrayed our community in failing to make your contribution to the whole. 
Courage is not a virtue or a value among other personal values like love or fidelity. It is the foundation that underlies and gives reality all of the virtues and personal values. Now that takes it to a different level, doesn't it? That's really something. There's a deeper meaning and level for courage in those words. And when I let the weight of that statement set in, like even that gave me a little bit more courage, it felt like, because there's a a steadfastness in it and a, uh, like you really feel the the value and the, the weight of responsibility around courage. And I think that so many of us in the collective are shirking that responsibility by not even entertaining it and blaming other things like tech, for instance. Courage asks a lot of us. It requires us to be all in, fully committed, while also having the awareness that we could be completely and utterly wrong because that's the risk. You could be completely and utterly wrong. But you know what? That's okay, because you're going to be wrong sometimes. May also reflected that people that claim to be absolutely convinced that their stance is the only right one are dangerous. Such, such conviction is the essence of dogmatism, but also of the more destructive cousin, fanaticism. It blocks off the user from learning new truth, and is a dead giveaway of unconscious doubt. The person has to then double his or her protest in order to quiet the opposite, not only quiet the opposition, but also his or her unconscious doubts as well. (laughs) And I think that we're seeing I chuckle because if I don't chuckle, I would be much more sad that we're seeing a lot of this because people are, instead of turning inward and looking and exploring themselves, they're projecting. And there's a lot of projection. And again, blaming a lot of tools. And that's what we're seeing in the world right now. But if you're hearing or listening to this, something else has piqued your interest. There may be a different way. And there is a different way. Commitment, which what we know requires courage, is the healthiest when it's not without doubt, but it's in spite of it. This is why I encourage everyone to develop curiosity as a value and work to cultivate it every day. Because when you are curious, you can't be in judgment. And that helps everyone. It helps you. It helps the person that you're trying to understand. It helps the collective. May's work depicts courage, physical courage, moral courage, social courage. But he puts creative courage above all the rest. Whereas moral courage is about the righting of wrongs, creative courage is, in contrast, the discovering of new forms, new symbols, new patterns on which a new society can be built. And when I read that, it really called back to the Renaissance 
age, doesn't it? It really does. And a few months ago, I marveled at the Da Vinci exhibit, which also just sort of gave me that, like, this human had an explosive amount of creative courage because considering the time that he was living in and the circumstances around some of his life, the fact that he brought forth what he brought forth was just nothing short of miraculous. But we all have that capacity if we have courage. Death is the only thing that we know for certain. Everything has their t- Everyone has their time to come to an end when we transition to whatever comes after this particular life. It is our ability to create that enables us to reach beyond that, though. The courage to bring forth something within us and out, that can be anything that you, the work you do in all the forms, whether that's a service that has a ripple effect, writing a book has a ripple effect, the painting has a ripple effect, an invention of some sort has a ripple effect. We all have something of value to contribute to humanity. We just must have the courage to bring it forward. And we're creating all the time. As I mentioned in the first podcast where I explained the universal laws, we are creating all the time. However, when we have clarity, when we develop a vision, when we walk past fear and step into the most courageous parts of ourselves, that's when the magic happens. That's when we are most connected with our internal cosmic compass, collective humanity, and the universe. Your internal cosmic compass, as I call it, is that part of your soul that just freaking knows. It knows. It knows what you need to do. It knows why you're here. It knows where you need to go. It knows, it knows, it knows. You have to get quiet to listen to it. You need the courage to follow it. And there was one particular passage in Rollo May's book that I want to share. Western civilization since the Renaissance has certainly has centrally emphasized techniques and mechanics. Thus, it is understandable that the creative impulses of ourselves and our forefathers, again, since the Renaissance, should have been channeled into the making of technical things. Creativity directed towards the advance and application of science. Such channeling of creativity into technical pursuits is appropriate on one level, but serves as a psychological defense on a deeper level. This means that the technology will be clung to, believed in, and dependent on far beyond its legitimate sphere, since it also serves as a defense against our fears of irrational phenomenon. Thus, the very success of technological creativity and its success does not need to be heralded by me is a threat to its own existence. For if we are not open to the unconscious, irrational, and transparent aspects of creativity, then our science and technology have helped us to block off what I call the creativity of the spirit. And by this, I mean creativity that has nothing to do with technical use. I mean creativity in art and poetry and music and other areas that exist for our delight 
and deepening and enlarging of meaning in our lives rather than just making money or increasing technical power. And that, I thought that was a pretty um, interesting statement, especially given the time period that this book was written and how we've seen an explosive uh, tech come on, like even within my lifetime. And I was in tech for 20-something years, so I... I, I look at this through that lens as well. And tech is neither good or bad. It is a tool. And I believe that we need to stop blaming tech for our collective lack of wanting to take personal responsibility and critical thinking. No one is forcing you to doom scroll. Media companies are here to make money. So yes, there's always a narrative that they are going to put forward, regardless of what slant it is. Fear sells, and that's unfortunate, but that is where we are collectively in our present awareness. It just does. So stop feeding its destructive side. Remember what we give energy to grows. Stop feeding its destructive side side. If you stop feeding it, it will die down. Now, in the past couple of months, I've had several conversations, and I find it interesting that more than one time this topic has come up around, we need a new renaissance. We need a new renaissance. And now one could argue that our tech age is one. And I think that there's some validity to that from a technical standpoint. But the conversation I've been having is more of a let's reawaken our sense of wonder. Let's cultivate more curiosity. Let's reawaken the inner explorer. And it brought me back to something that my mentor says, uh, something to the effect of realizing your visions and bringing them into getting clarity and re- around your vision for the life that you want to have and bringing it into fruition is a spiritual experience. And I think that we are discarding the sacred in favor of um, the need to for everyone and everything to be the same, but yet special. It's a really weird dynamic there. And everyone is unique. So that everyone on the planet is unique. That means by default, you're special in some way. And that's great. Um, but I think this this almost obsessive need to put people in boxes and without context or nuance is stifling the best part of ourselves and our it's which is our ability to choose and create. And to step outside of that, to step away from that collective mass consciousness, that takes courage. And you're going to be wrong. And you're going to make mistakes. 
and you're going to make the wrong move sometimes. And all of that is okay. And we as a collective have to start being more more open to that and quite frankly, less judgmental. So perhaps this week, think about what you feel called to explore, what you feel called to bring forth in the world. Allow yourself to mull that possibility. And you know what? It doesn't have to be on a like a worldwide scale. It doesn't. That's not everybody's purpose in life. It could be in your neighborhood. It could be on your street. Something about you has a ripple effect for the entirety of humanity. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Something about that desire that's calling you in the very, very quiet moments, that vision that's percolating, forming, something about that gives to the collective as well as you. They're interconnected. We're all interconnected. So I want you to like really sink into that. And when you don't, it's like Roland May says, you're depriving, you're depriving humanity of that. And you're depriving it of yourself. So mull that over. Now, I look forward to connecting with you next week. I'm going to be talking about my year in wrap-up, some of the lessons I learned this, this year, and giving you a peek into one of my favorite year-end rituals. So I will look forward to speaking with you next week. Thanks for listening to the Mindset Strategist Podcast. If you'd like more information, check out my website at www.adriannmcdonald.com. 